and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, balling up, calling entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Tuesday, Tim and Friends. I am the Tim part, and y'all are the friends part, at least most of you. And if you aren't, I still appreciate you watching. We all need to be edutained, and I will try my damnedest to do just that. We've got a cavalcade of homies dropping in to help from Renault Lavoie on the NHL to Kevin Millar. Fittingly, Kevin Millar ahead of the Yankees and Red Sox on the network and a full baseball roundtable as we revisit the hottest conversations from yesterday's Jay's funeral here on Tim and Friends. Shai Davidi, Donovan Bennett, and June Lee live from Fenway Park crossing the globe to give you only the best and realest sports talk. This is Tim and Friends. Jesse Rubinoff is with me as always minding the Twitter and back today on the Instagram feed. Yeah, massive news. For those who missed it yesterday, hackers, oops, I'm sorry, Facebook says its six-hour global outrage was caused by configuration changes to its routers. <laughs> right. <laughs> it wasn't hackers taking down a couple of the biggest websites on planet Earth because of shady business practices meant to divide us, the people. <laughs> they were exposed, you know, by a whistleblower on 60 Minutes. Like, they'll change their ways. Like, it, I mean, this... Sorry, okay, let me click on this one more time. Uh, Configuration changes to routers. Are you buying any of this, Jesse Rubinoff? Uh, and do you want to mess with Facebook? And maybe we should all just shut up right now. Yes, uh, probably <laughs> don't want to do that. That's right. a good point. But um, is anybody on earth surprised that they decided to choose profits over safety and privacy? <laughs> yeah. I is anybody that's... on earth surprised by that? I do think that they're the next to feel the wrath of the people. Like, the yes. people will demand different, right? Or they'll just hashtag delete Facebook, which is what we've seen for two days straight now. Right. And, like, previously. But there needs to be yesterday. more accountability, without a doubt. Yes. No? Yes. I mean, that's, the, yeah, the world we're living in. It is a massive problem, Timmy. Uh, we could have our own version of 60 Minutes right now if you really want to get into it. <laughs> Speaking of accountability, who had a worse weekend? Urban Meyer, Facebook, or this guy who thought he was getting Little John turned down for what? The drop but instead got ABBA. I'm <laughs> 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 being honest, I sent that to all of my friends and I think it might be a top five video I've seen in, in the last year. Can we see it one more time? And, and for those who don't, he's, about, he's just about to get down to turn down for what? Yeah. And DJ pulls like, this is a... This is like a split finger at 94. <laughs> okay, hold on. We got to start it from the beginning again because you got to watch the dude behind him. The guy in the beard behind him is about smooth to... operator. Oh, yeah? Smooth right, operator. Doesn't even flinch. Okay? Oh, yeah. Right into Abba. Like, doesn't oh, even no. flinch. No, that's just, that's simply because that dude with the beard has the same dance for turn down the water. <laughs> right. And Abba. Like, what are you talking about? Do it one more time. That is amazing. I'm glad you pointed that out. He doesn't have a different move. Oh. So he's just doing that. He doesn't move. It's the same thing. <laughs> that's so good. He's doing it all night. 
the same move. That's a great point. That's funny because I spent like basically the last four days from which I've seen that thinking the guy with the beard is just a legend because he, he didn't smooth, fall for it. Yeah. He's smooth, but no, he just ruined it for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I honestly, though, when I saw that, it made me smile, right? Like, I. Oh, it's just, amazing. I like things that make you smile. Hope we can do the same. It's Tim and Friends. It starts with Rubinoff. First things first. Let's go. All right. First things first. Uh, however, to answer the question, Urban Meyer had a worse weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. That's, that's, uh, that was his Yeah. A lot of us had just that. Yeah. Move. Actually, you're right. You could probably sub anybody into the bearded any, man's yeah. role, and it would. But be, you could put any song into this, and right. you're good. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how you should dance. Like, if you don't have the moves, you probably right. should dance like that so you don't get right. exposed. Without a doubt. Right? Yeah. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. You don't even have to move your feet. Is you just kind of bend your is knees. That how you, is that the move at, at weddings oh, I and break such? it down. Don't even act oh, yeah, I like I can't the running dance. Man okay. All right. You want to move on to uh, Major League Baseball? Because, well, something begins tonight. Let's something called the postseason. Heard Yankees. Of it. Red Sox in the American League wildcard game at Fenway. Garrett Cole gets the start for the Yankees against Nathan Yavaldi. Boston will be without J.D. Martinez after he sprained his ankle tripping over second base while jogging to right field in Sunday's regular season. Worse than that now, dude's move. <laughs> Blue Jays fans don't have a lot of love for either of these teams, especially right now, obviously, but is it Hard not to romanticize a Yankees-Red Sox playoff matchup. Well, for Jays fans, uh, this might be hate-watching. Like, is that where we're at for Jays fans? Like, yeah. this is hate-watching. But the romantic, like, if you are a neutral, like, if you can take yourself out of Blue Jays fandom, if, in fact, you are a Blue Jays fandom, or, or a Blue Jays fan, like, this is one of the great rivalries in all of sports, and you're going to get it in one game. And the beauty of this is that they seem to provide the fireworks that you need whenever. Like, it's one thing to say that there's a rivalry between two teams, but every time, like, Bucky Dent. Okay, that's a long time ago, yeah. but Bucky Dent in one of these one game or go home provides one of the great moments. I still can't believe how much he choked up on the bat for this <laughs> home run but he hit it over the monster. Either way, it was a huge three-run shot, seventh inning, Yankees 5-4 win. By the way, our friend Goose Gossage picked up the save in that one. Then in the 2003 ALCS, it was the Yankees winning 4-3, Aaron Boone walk-off, 11th inning, game seven. Unreal. That was unreal, and that came after Don Zimmer versus Pedro Martinez. Like, they cleared the benches in an ALCS game three, and Don Zimmer got it from Pedro Martinez. By the way, wouldn't you have loved to have seen Roger Clemens? Act? Like, it's too bad people got in the way of that, right? Oh, yeah. Because no I sure would have that. loved to. Instead of seeing, like, an old man get tossed down to the ground, I would have loved to have seen... <laughs> uh, the original combatants in that one with Roger Clemens. Poor the Zimmer. cop, the yeah. everything. Poor and then, Zimmer. of course, we're going to talk to Kevin Millar a little later on. There's also the 03 deficit that the bunch of idiots yes. came back from and cemented the lower, excuse me, 04. And uh, you know that Dave, uh, Dave Roberts' famous stolen base that we're showing you right now, do you know who he was pinch running for? Enlighten me. Kevin Millar? Yeah. I had a feeling that's where that was going. But, I mean, this, this, this series, that, that steal, that's one of the iconic moments of watching baseball for me when I was in my teens, right? That's, that is an iconic series. 
you, like that is unforgettable. That I remember is so many period. moments, like where that is I was. Iconic yeah. period. Like it doesn't like series. Like this could be more famous than any World Series. Yes, and and it, it, you you just showed it. I mean, this is this is also not the only series between these two teams. It's probably the greatest rivalry in all of sports. If we're being serious about it, we're being frank about it. Is it not? Oof, that's such a. I mean, I. I would find it very hard to argue. Like, I always go India, Pakistan, and cricket if yeah. we're talking all, like, the entire world. North American sports. In North America. American sports, yeah, that's right up there. I mean, we could put it out to the at uh, Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Mm, today. Nice, nice. What is the greatest rivalry in sports? And there's a lot of, like, if you're just talking about, like, old school friendly rival, I don't know how friendly this one is. Uh, Dodgers Giants also, which we might see as well in this postseason. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of good. This is uh, to me, this is as good as it gets in all of sports. Uh, Cole and Uvalde tonight. What are you expecting, Garrett Cole? Because we know he struggled over the last little while. Two and two, six fifteen ERA over his last five starts. Probably lost himself to Cy Young to Robbie Ray, if we're being frank. Um, so are you expecting Who's Frank? You keep mentioning him. Yeah, that's twice I used. Never mind. Yeah, I, that's twice I used Frank. That's mm-hmm. a lot in one block. Um, <laughs> what do you think we should expect from Garrett Cole? So the, he, I, from Garrett Cole, I mean, you mentioned how he struggled late against the Red Sox this year at Fenway. He has a 6.19 ERA, mm-hmm. and he is just one and two. If you're talking about decisions, like when I first looked at this and thought J.D. Martinez is out for the Red Sox advantage Yankees but it seems as though they get to Garrett Cole uh, I still would say and and correct me if I'm wrong um, Dobby I haven't looked at it at Vegas but are the Yankees the favorite yes they are in yeah. Fenway yeah I would guess the Yankees would still be the favorite yeah. with Garrett Cole but you look at those numbers and you might get some value if yeah. you sprinkle here on the Red Sox. Yeah, DJ LeMahieu is out for the Yankees, dealing with a sports hernia injury. That's obviously a big loss. So J.D. Martinez, DJ LeMahieu. Cancel each other out. Cancel each other out a little bit. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, speaking of J.D. Martinez. My God, is got us thinking. Got us thinking. Oh, you're going right to match game? Yeah, got us thinking. Uh, he's out tonight, so why don't we do a match game? J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than blank. Okay. Uh, J.D. Can I just, Martinez, can more I say, unlucky than blank. Can I say the unlucky is kind? My guy hurt himself by tripping over second base, running out to the field in between innings. Correct. Like, that has got to be the most embarrassing injury that I've ever seen in my life. And I know that sometimes we phrase these in order to get more responses and unlucky might get more responses than embarrassing, but that's a joke. Like, that's got to be the worst baseball player injury of all time outside of arachnophobia. Yeah. For those who get that (laughs) reference. I don't... uh, Jeff Kent washing his truck. I don't know for sure if he, like, jumps over second base on his way to right field every single time. Well, don't rationalize like I'm, I'm just saying it's like... Well, he I'm not, tripped on second base and he's out of a playoff I'm not, game. I'm not rationalizing. I'm saying baseball players are weird. Sometimes they have weird superstitions. This would should tell them, stop with your dumb superstitions. Like, if this is what he's doing, if every time he goes out to the field, he makes a point to jump over second base and this happened, like, it's enough. 
It's enough with the superstitions. Guy, if that's the case, tripped let me know. Over second base, running out bad, to the totally. field. I, I agree with you. It's very bad. Let's uh, hear what the the people, the masses, unlucky. have to say. Okay, unlucky. I'm sorry. JD yeah, Martinez' injury was more unlucky than blank. More unlucky, unlucky than blank. Yeah. Aaron says having to play in minor league stadiums and spend 670 days Oof. away from your home ballpark. Wait, scratch that. Nothing Oof. more unlucky than that. I get it. Uh, another one. Abinid says, J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Armando Galarraga missing a perfect game on a bad call. Oof. That was unlucky. Yeah, it was also just bad. Uh, let's stick with the umpire theme. J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than getting Joe West as an umpire for some of the most important games of the season. Country Joe West. I believe he retired after, a, what, a billion years in the Major League? Yeah, yeah, he's retiring. Um... But after, after the playoffs, playoffs yeah. Oh, look at this. Uh, Everyone, the umpires Al are just getting beat down. <laughs> J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Ron Culpa umpiring against the Blue Jays. It was a plus 1.93 run differential. Don't worry, that rates. game meant nothing. Wait a second. <laughs> Adam says J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Bill Buckner. The error Bill Buckner made in Game 6 of the World Series. Uh, I don't know if that's unlucky or just bad. That's unlucky. Yeah, well, He's a major yeah. league baseball player. Uh, J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than the Blue Jays winning 91 games and missing the playoffs. Yeah, you got to beat the teams in front of you. 13 I'm, likes. I'm not down on that take. Uh, J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Robin says, Lourdes Goriel Jr. getting injured by Randall Grichuk's cleats. Yes, uh, I, I will listen to that. that came These are all very time. just true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Hockey Hut says, opening a bag of chips. There's a full bag of air inside. Shout out, Hockey Hut. Yeah. Why does that happen? Terrible handle, but like Halloween is when that happens the Why most. Why does that happen? The Halloween bags, I think it's to keep it fresh and to cheat you out of what okay, you think. Figure it, but the Halloween bags of chips are the biggest culprits of those. Yes. Where it looks like there's a full bag of chips and there's four in there. Yeah, just fill it up. Like, figure it out. It's 2021. Okay, J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky then. Nathan says, the guy who finished second to Ken Reed when he won the Picto Golf Club. Yeah. See, these aren't true. These are now just funny, and I enjoy it. J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than the Nats blowing a 5-1 lead. Okay, now that's true, yes. Yes, okay, last one we got for you. Mm -hmm. uh, J.D. Martinez's injury was more unlucky than Ryan says... Tim and Sid having to com commentate a commercial-free parade. Seven hours. Seven hours. Matches. Through to match after about the five-hour mark. Okay. Okay. Fine. That's that's nice. And then I was literally uh, to to go with that meme of Homer Simpson holding his urine in. Right. I was literally going to the washroom when I had to alert police that there had been a shooting. Right. Um, so a double win for Ryan. Yeah. On that tweet. Yeah, a double win for Ryan. Uh, and, and I believe that the parade you were commentating for was for the Toronto Raptors. Hey, segway! Uh, Send your match games in at yeah, Tim and them. Friends, but bring the segway is very good because we're going Raptors. We're going Raptors. Back in front of their fans at Scotiabank Arena last night. They came away with a 123-107 win over the Sixers in the preseason opener. The Raps have four more exhibition games before the season opener on October 20th. What are three things you're watching for in the Raptors preseason? 
three things. All right, let's start with OG Ananobi. Mm. Uh, OG Ananobi, with the absence of Pascal Siakam early on, is going to have to fill a scoring role. And it'll be really interesting to see if OG Ananobi can fill that scoring role for the second time in as many years. I just bet on OG Ananobi to win most improved player in Ooh, the NBA. What'd you get it at? What'd you get it at? It's like 33 to 1. That is yeah, a plus lot. Plus 3,300 for OG Ananobi. Wow. And I figured he'll have the opportunity to do that. It looked like he was trying to show off his mid-game. Number two thing I'm looking for from the Raptors in the preseason is the evolution of Scotty Barnes slash this six foot. We saw a stretch where the Toronto Raptors just had basically six, 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 nine, and they completely confounded the Sixers. They switched everything. It led to a run and it was Scotty Barnes line. I don't know if you saw his scoring line, his box score line, Mm -hmm. but it was basically what you're going to see from this kid the entire year. Will Lou called him a human energy drink. And I thought that's a great way to describe what this guy is and what this lineup, at its best with all that versatility, could end up being. Point guard, maybe not even point guard, because you'll have someone running the point at 6'6 to 6'9, but that versatility is going to be fun as hell to watch. I don't know how good it's going to be, but it's going to be fun as hell to watch and I think the last thing is just Fred Van Vliet has continually impressed me with his ability to take it another step Mm -hmm. after being undrafted bet on yourself does he have that next step does he become the next Kyle Lowry as frankly I expect him to so I mean that'll be more as we get into the regular season not so much the preseason, but you saw a little bit there. This was his show. This was his game. And when you looked back at the numbers, I think he had eight assists in limited time. Like, that's pretty nice. Um, Kyle Lowry, we, we had him on our, we had the shot of him in the Heat jersey last week when he was getting introduced. On Media a, Day? On yeah. Media Day. Uh, he made his Heat debut last night. Now, who really cares about the line? That's not important, but... What did you think about seeing him actually take the court as a member of the Miami Heat? Did it not look like a like the Raptors uniform? Like lose the gold along the side, <laughs> but when you saw the seven, like there, just kind of looks like he's playing for the Raptors. Yeah, it's weird. That should be Pascal Siakam instead. It's Bam Adebayo, yeah. right? Who, Tough. Would you trip? Yeah, never mind. Oh yeah, yeah no, that is no, you can't open that can of worms. The, I got a couple stories still to get to. The third uh, thing that I'll be looking for that I should have put into that conversation was I don't know if you saw Steph Curry jump into a defender to draw a call and looks like NBA officials are going to try not to call this BS this year amazing and it'll be really interesting to see if they can continue it I don't know like what'll last longer NBA refs not calling this or NHL refs calling cross checks NHL refs are not going to call cross-checks. You don't think so? That's not going to happen. But the question there is, uh, how is James Harden going to score? That's wonderful question. How is he going to get to the free throw line? Wonderful. (laughs) Okay, Uh, moving on. The L.A. Chargers handed the Raiders their first loss of the season last night on Monday Night Football, but teams are now, both teams are now 3-1, tied with the Broncos for first place in the AFC West, ahead of the 2-2 Kansas City Chiefs. Should the Chargers scare Kansas City? Yes. Yes, without a doubt, the the Chargers look like they might be the best team in the division. 
with the Chiefs, and I'm saying this because of what I saw from the defense of the L.A. Chargers and what I haven't seen from the defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, Derek Carr was tearing up the league, and I, I know they didn't exactly play murderer's row, but it wasn't as if they played cheap teams to get their 3-0 start. Like, they played some defenses, the Ravens, uh, Miami, and the Raiders were held to 213 net yards in this game, and at halftime, they had more penalties, penalty yards than actual yards. The Chargers' offense in Justin Herbert is real. He might be among the best young quarterbacks in the National Football League, and I feel like that is an engager for our Twitter mm -hmm, account. Mm -hmm. Like, who is the best third-year or younger quarterback in the National Football League? Because when you look at this list, it's pretty damn. I guess Josh Allen's in his fourth year. If you just eliminate Patrick Mahomes, because he will win any conversation if you ask who's the best young quarterback. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. So many throw, good ones. Throw Dak Prescott in the mix. Like, it's just the, that next level mm -hmm. right now is very good. And I wish I had a bet Kyler Murray when I was talking about it early in the season. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, too, obviously included in that list. Um, yeah, but why, why do we do this? It's just so funny that, like, yes, the Chargers are good, and they Justin Herbert has been fantastic, and the Chiefs are 2-2, two and two, but, like, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and he's been to two Super Bowls now, he's and, like, everyone always, we always want to anoint the next one, and Mahomes is still so early in his career, like, the well, Chiefs the are still the Chiefs. The, no, they're not. The defense is struggling, but they can outscore pretty much anyone, can't they? No, I think that's 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 what I'm saying here is that I think that their defense is in trouble. And I think that they won't be able to outscore their defense against mm -hmm. really good teams. Yeah. And I'll be surprised right now if you wanted to bet me oh, okay. on the AFC championship. Antenna. I'll take the field and I'll take two other teams and you take the Chiefs. I'll bet you. The field? Like the whole field? Yeah. If you want me to take two or three other teams, I can do that too. I'm going to take the favorites, obviously. Okay. Let me think about it till last call, and then we'll readdress right. it. Still to come. We'll see if Jesse has the guts to put his money where his mouth is. <laughs> Renault Lavoie on the latest <laughs> from NHL training camps and the PCs. Michael Pinball Clemens, one of my favorites, to discuss a special anniversary. Kevin Millar ahead of the AL wildcard game at Fenway. And speaking of... The Tuesday Roundtable, heavy baseball feel. Shy to Vivi, June Lee, Donovan Bennett, all on deck next right here in Tonight Fence. One of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. They don't like each other. This is great baseball theater. They're going to fake Ty Law to throw for it. And Hunter Renfro came up to make sure that was not a completion. What a play from Hunter Renfro. We were hoping, obviously, that you know he'd be here uh, by now. We only have two exhibition games left, so I got to start preparing like he's not going to be here. Three for Larry Kaboom. Perfect start to his career in Miami. So check out before the show, Adam catching punts <laughs> off the jugs machine. <laughs> Adam, this is tough stuff, right? Oh. <laughs> Welcome back, kids. It is the second segment on a Tuesday, which can mean one of two things. One, I'm about to perform Inspector Deck's first verse of the Wu-Tang Classic Triumph, or two, 
The virtual roundtable has been assembled, thankfully for all Wu-Tang fans. It is the latter. That's right. Wu-Tang is for the kids, and so is Tim and Friends. Hence, the roundtable hits Toronto to Boston on this day after the Jays' funeral. And yes, Wild Card Week kicking off with, oh, I don't know, Yankees and Red Sox from Fenway Park. Speaking of Fenway, guest number one on this roundtable is joining us live from 4 Jersey Street in Boston, Mass., a city he was raised in from ESPN. It's our old friend June Lee. How cool is it to be there for this in your hometown? I walked from my childhood bedroom today 30 minutes to Fenway Park, and now it's Red Sox Yankees. So this is like pretty much childhood dreams as good as it gets right now. So, <laughs> yeah, Tim, I don't know where you go on. from here, June, but joining me in studio, which is almost the same thing as covering the Yankees and Bo Sox in his hometown, is Shai Davidi. If you follow the Jays and don't follow at Shai Davidi on your timeline, you're simply doing it wrong. Shai, same thing, right? Yeah, just about the same. Yeah, I mean this this game it was a scenario that Jay's, this game could have been here today. So yeah, that would have been awesome. That uh, would have been. Don't a little remind Jays fans already, Shy. And finally joining us from the completely redone home studio after Sid Sixero ripped his backdrop, one of the Tim and Sid slash Tim and friend OGs, Donovan Bennett joining us from home. What's good, Donovan? That is correct. A shout out to the interior decorator. Michael Lambie for my look. Thank you for Sid for being a hater. But also, it's important to note that over here we bomb atomically Socrates philosophies hey, and hey. hypotheses. Can't define how you drop in these mockeries. Lyrically, I perform armed robbery. Yes, first verse, and that's probably as far as I would have gotten to without having to think of the lyrics and or search them. All right, we're going to get to the game that most Jays fans are hate watching tonight in a flash, but I want to follow up <laughs> on a couple of conversations that we had on yesterday's Blue Jays Memorial Service show, starting with Charlie Montoya. We put a poll out there about whether or not Charlie should be back. 35% said no. Shy, what are the chances that he's not coming back? I think it's far more likely that he gets an extension than the Jays replace him. And look, I get the discussion around Charlie Montoyo. Anybody who wants an e or easy answer for a problem is going to find one in the manager. But if you think about, like, just objectively, look at what he did. You know, keeping this group together, three cities, bullpen issues, a lot of challenges that other teams didn't face, young players acclimating to the big leagues into the full-time grind of 162 games for the first time. This team had to overcome a lot. Now, a lot of that is due to the players. I mean, they've got some really good players. You know, the influence of Marcus Simeon and George Springer and Hyunjin Ryu can't be uh, overstated. But, you know, these players wanted to do it. They put in the effort. They made sure it happened for them. And I think that's why. But, you know, you need a, a guy who's overseeing things, making sure everything's running smoothly, calming the waters. That was Charlie Montoyo. Donovan, do you know why Charlie Montoyo is so polarizing? Uh, I mean, I could guess. I think uh, potentially his pigment might be part of it, uh, as this market at times was not uh, very uh, fair to Cito Gaston, in my estimation, and managers in general uh, than minorities, I think, don't get a fair shake. Certainly uh, his handling or the perceived handling of his bullpen, and that is a conversation that we always love to quarterback from the sidelines. Leave a starter in to see a lineup for the third time. It doesn't go well. You should have removed him. You take him out, put your bullpen in, and they give up runs. Why didn't you let him continue to ride? If anyone looked at this bullpen earlier in the year when they were giving away wins, 
and said that there was a lot of talent there given who was injured. I don't know who that person is because he didn't really have a lot to deal with. His mandate was not about managing a bullpen. It was setting a culture and developing young players. His team never gave up and their young players stepped up. So he's met his mandate. I don't really understand why he is polarizing at all. Uh, June, first off, I'd love to move to these beats that are playing behind you right now, but uh, I don't think Canada wants to see that. So from the outside looking in, grade the job that Charlie Montoyo has done in Toronto in your mind. I mean, I think the Blue Jays almost exceeded expectations this year to a certain degree. I mean, I, I've, I've said this on the show before, but I looked at them a lot like we've seen in the White Sox the last couple of years, where it's a lot of young, talented players who are developing, who are starting to come into their own. And we saw guys like Vladimir Guerrero taking an enormous step forward. And on top of all of that, you know, this was not a team until they got Jose Barrios that I thought was realistically a playoff team. I thought they were going to be pretty good, maybe in the mix for the, the wild card. But when Jose Barrios became a member of the Blue Jays, it was when I think that the playoff aspirations became a lot more clearer. And so given the fact that a lot of the young guys did develop and the fact that they were able to do things like, you know, have that home run jacket and develop a culture where, you know, fun is encouraged and, and letting young guys embrace their own personalities. Uh, I think that's all you can kind of ask for out of a Blue Jays team that is, you know, starting to get there. But we're not necessarily expecting to be a World Series contender uh, in 2021. I love that he referenced the culture because that's half of the rips that Charlie Montoyo took. Right. Was that fun? Oh, you can't have fun when you're down six runs. It, no, it, that assumes that guys having fun means they don't care, right? Which is the absolute worst assumption. Yeah. You know, I mean, the fact that this team Absolutely. was uh, going through all the different pieces that they went through and they still got after. I mean, this team could easily crack when, you know, they get swept by the Tampa Bay Rays in, in May. You know, three of, the, three of the games decided in the Rays last at bat, the other one in the eighth inning. And the fans, the small amount of fans there are all cheering for the Rays at what's ostensibly a home series for them. You know, the same thing in Buffalo later on. You know, I mean, guys should want to have fun. It's like if you are going to be a robot, you're not going to enjoy 162 days together, 162 games together, 180 days, eight months together. That's going to be a toxic environment. So that needs to kind of that mindset that you guys shouldn't be smiling, guys shouldn't be enjoying themselves. That has to get out of sports. June, I can tell you want in here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think this entire new young generation of baseball players is trying to bring fun into the sport. I mean, we saw celebrations kind of grow across the sport. You know, the, the Padres had their swag chain. Uh, the Mets had a stuffed pony. The Red Sox have their laundry cart that they ride in after home runs. Like, this is not just something that is happening with the Toronto Blue Jays, but it's happening across baseball. And I think it's really, really important for the future of the sport, not only to continue to grow, but with an entire young generation of players where building kind of this culture is a really, really important part of the game. And, you know, I, I've talked about this before on the show as well, where the market inefficiency right now is being able to manage people while also ba balancing the analytics. Not, you know, the, the entire sport has kind of shifted towards this analytics first mindset. We're seeing, you know, all these shifts happen, you know, front offices dictating lineups and how they're built across the sport. Uh, but I think where we're going to sh see this kind of cultural shift happen next across baseball and how teams are built and how teams are performing on the field is balancing that people culture, that fun culture with the analytics as well. Amen. Uh, Donovan, I know that you want to just get in quickly and I know we have to take a quick break, but the, the other part of this is like there are dudes that need to be serious and you played at a pretty high level. You played OUA football at the University of Western Ontario, now known as Western University for some mythical reason. Anyways, 
I feel like you were a guy that played better when you were smiling and when you were like, there are people, I was better when I, I played angry all the time, but I played better when I was happy and smiling. A hundred percent. And I, I just want to frame this conversation that we're having. Look at where we are in the world and all of the things that are going on in the world, have been going on, that are not things that are going to make you smile. And we have yearned for sport to come back and yearned for that escape. And then it comes back and we're like, wait a minute, that child's game that you're getting paid to play? Don't have too much fun. Take it seriously. (laughs) The conversation is ridiculous. And and baseball has fallen behind other sports because they haven't embraced the fun aspect of it. So the fact that you're mad at a manager for allowing his team to, I don't know, show up with their authentic self in the workplace, given some of the scandals around managers in baseball in the last couple of years, that is not something you should be holding against the manager. I shouldn't be laughing, but it is kind of ridiculous. All right, I, we need to take a break. We need to reset. There is still plenty to get to. Whether or not the Jays can run it back, we'll get into the Yankees and Bo Sox and whether or not we need to restructure Major League Baseball playoffs. And we'll do that next. Right here as the roundtable continues on Tim and Friends. Roundtable reassembled here on Tim and Friends. It's Davidi beside me in Toronto, Donovan Bennett down the road, June Lee at Fenway Park, and apparently we've lost his camera because there's a one-on-one between Hazel May and Hunter Renfro taking place. They asked me if they could use the camera. I said, nobody is more important than June Lee on the virtual Tim and Friends roundtable, yet I lost the fight <laughs> on live TV. Uh, let, let's continue this conversation another hotly contested topic in Toronto is whether or not they can run it back. Can they bring back Simeon? Can they bring back Ray and still keep the kids happy? Throw Mats into the mix. Shy Davidi, I'll start with you. Can they run it back with the same team? I mean, in theory, they could, sure. <laughs> uh, I think, look, the, there, there's one overriding question for the Blue Jays this offseason, right? Okay. How do you get better? Because you finish short. What, what, close, it was one game, coin flip, whatever you want to say. They were short, and they have, they have a gap that they have to overcome. So, you know, is bringing this group back sufficient on its own? It's not. There, there have to be some improvements beyond that. So, really? I mean, the best team in baseball by the end. But that's over a short stretch. Is that going to play out over 162? Like, you can't, you can't look at a team's best stretch and then extrapolate that over a full season. So there are improvements that need to be made. And so it's like, is it bringing this group back? Is it doing some different things? Uh, you know, is it maybe sort of uh, taking the resources uh, at one spot and splitting it over two? You know, the Blue Jays were right. amazing at second base, but had a black hole at third. You know, what if you have a, a, a good second baseman and a good third baseman? Are you better off that way? Maybe. I think it depends uh, in sort of what, how you're going to view the team in its total, totality. But there is clearly a gap, whether you, know, you want to accept it or not. There is a gap between them and the Rays. The Blue Jays should not be looking for the wild card. They should be looking for the American League East crown. And they've got to close that gap. Hmm. So what, what Shai was kind of suggesting there when he was talking about second base, June Lee, was if Marcus Simeon went somewhere else and you spent the money on second base and third. If you had to choose between Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, where would you go, June? I mean, Shad makes a lot of good points in that, you know, the Blue Jays start short, and part of being a good baseball team is having that consistency over the course of an entire season. And they did get lucky this year with Mark, uh, with Martin Simeon and Robbie Ray and seeing the valuable contract. I think 
you know, why do we have this team can improve it? Looking forward what the Rays have done over the course of the last couple of years and building out that depth. You know, a lot of teams are starting to take the philosophy with the kind of Wall Street mentality in building teams where you don't necessarily go out for those enormous five-year contracts that are at really, really high salaries, but trying to spread out that money and having guys who are above replacement level at a lot of different positions and you have that depth and kind of consistency and push the entire year you can tell uh, the Rays have been successful uh, for the last couple of years is that you've got guys up and down the roster uh, who are pretty, pretty much above average and having that as a point for the entire year and, and proving to be really, really successful. Uh, I don't need to hear all the small things that much, so we'll ask the PA to turn that down a little <laughs> bit for us. However, Donovan, um, this this is an interesting spot for the Jays, and, and obviously um, they're going to look to improve. Marcus Stroman tweeted out he's open to a return to Toronto. We took the low-hanging fruit. We posted it. It turned into a thing. People were name-calling. There was a back-and-forth with fans. There was a Sid tweet, a Stroman <laughs> ripping of the Sid tweet. Donovan, is bringing back Marcus Stroman a good idea for Toronto? Oh, man. So many things. One, like, what happened to the trap music they were playing at Fenway? <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. much rather oh, listen no. to that. Oh, man. Um, or uh, ABBA, like or from earlier in the show, would have been better than that. I, listen, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Scenes from Marriage, the new show on HBO. It's both gut-wrenching and amazing. Uh, but sometimes marriages should just end. Like, there's a reason why you broke up. There might be some feelings. There, there might be some connection. But you're better off apart. And if you just looked at the numbers and said, profile picture X, who provides this and you can have them under control for this long and is this age, would they be good in this starting rotation? Sure. But that assumes that you could forget all of the baggage and all of the conversations and the difference of opinions philosophically between the front office and the player. And it assumes that you didn't give this locker room to the new young players who are running this franchise and expect that the locker room wouldn't be thus given to Stroman. I love Stroman. I also love Sid, and I would love to just reconcile that marriage. I think they are more alike than they are different. Yes. But but I don't think that it would be good for the player or fan base or the players in the locker room if we saw a return in the short term. Maybe at the end of his career, but not right now. Shy. I mean, if the Blue Jays had wanted to pay Marcus Stroman, they would have while he was here. So the fact that it didn't happen during his time here because there was a willingness on his part certainly you know they're not going to go out in free agency and pay him at this point all right uh, let's try and go back to june lee at fenway park because we have to talk about this yankees red sox game i mean is this the best rivalry in all the sports I mean, if you look at it from like a long-term historical perspective, I think it's really, really hard to argue with everything that's happened in the series and all the, you know, amazing, uh, iconic baseball moments that have happened. You know, Aaron Boone, even in the last couple of decades, Aaron Boone did some very sad thing on all that stuff. In the last, like, five to ten years, it's been kind of mediocre, but uh, the worst amazing baseball player tonight is that this is the hottest baseball ticket, uh, non-world series game in a wild fashion. So, I think there's a lot of excellent uh, for this Red Sox fan to be able to be facing off tonight. So, I'm not about to buy it. I'm going to be facing off tonight. I do think it's a good thing. 
We're, we're having a real tough time hearing you. Jesse, do you have a tweet on uh, on this right now? Is well, that your I, I, have a, I have a suggestion. What's that? You asked what the greatest rivalry in sports is. June versus the... June in Fenway Park. <laughs> versus the PA system in Fenway <laughs> June, we're having a terrible time hearing you. So uh, can I give you a virtual hug and say thank you for your time? Because we just can't hear you over the PA system. Uh, I, I appreciate the virtual hugs. <laughs> Thank you, Jews. Thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, but we can't hear you over the PA system. <laughs> Take Although care, Donovan, is, Donovan seems to be enjoying your Yeah, I mean, he, it's background music for Donovan. <laughs> uh, favorite moment of this rivalry, Shy to be. Like, there's, so, there's Bucky Dent. There's, we're having Kevin Millar on the show. Like, I'm trying to feed you a couple of different ideas. No, so, I mean, is I, it I, Zimmer? Is I, it? I, I like that generation, uh, the, the, the 2000s uh, generation Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. And I, I always loved any time Pedro Martinez was going up against the Red Sox, you know? And I... I, I yeah, Yankees, excuse me. And I, I always remember the the time where you know he's having a hard, to- a tough time against the Red Sox, and he's just saying sometimes you got to tip your cap and you know call him my daddy. And like he was so upfront about it, and the Yankees fans cheering, "Who's, who's your, your daddy? daddy?" against yeah. him, mm-hmm. you know, and him embracing it. You know, that was uh, that was a hot rivalry at that time, and the Red Sox had to get over the hump uh, and finally beat them, and then rallying from down three nothing to to advance to the World Series. To me, that was. Uh, that, that's when I experienced it most vividly, and uh, it, it's probably most lasting in my mind. Donovan, I think we got you back, and uh, you have been reframed and put into a bigger. Oh, look at this, Donovan! <laughs> oh, getting, oh, wow! Yeah, look at this. See, you get to see the artwork. And everything. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. it. Love go. it. Love it. Uh, is this the best rivalry in sports? Do you have a better rivalry than what is the Yankees and the Red Sox? I mean, I think the closest would be Leafs Canadians. Sorry to people who don't like how it went in Toronto in the first round. Because I think this rivalry is is not even just about these two teams. It's the two cities. Yeah. And these teams are an embodiment of the disdain on the eastern seaboard between New York and Boston, between Massachusetts and New York State. And, and whether it's at the college level, whether it's the high school level, whether it's in other sports, this is the best example. But for me, the best moment is clearly Pedro telling Don Zimmer, if you want that smoke, you're going to have to sit down for a second. Like, that's the best moment. Pedro, as much as he was dominant on the mound, the reason why he does not have to pay for a drink when he's around any mass holes is because of what he did to Don Zimmer. And, and, and the fact that Don Zimmer crying afterwards, the press conference, just made it a continued thing. If, if we had social media to the extent oh that we do goodness. now, oh, yeah. back then, the whole thing would have been so much more amazing. But I loved it at the time. It would be an enduring meme of all time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Without it, no, we, can, we can still go do that. Um, <laughs> The, the, the Tim and Frenzison's will. Trust uh, yeah, me. The Tim and Frenzison's will. I, I wish that Manny and Roger had just squared. Like, that was the start of that. Yeah. Can you imagine Ramirez and hey, Roger and Clemens going at it, right, at the mound? That would have been. All right, so the Yankees and Red Sox today. The Dodgers get win number 106. They now get a one-game playoff versus the hottest team in baseball. And if they get by that, then it's the 107-win Giants waiting for them this isn't just jay's sour grapes should the playoff format shy be revisited 
Yes, but not just because of that. You know, I mean, I know that the, it's a big triple-digit number, but it's important to remember that the, the Giants and the Dodgers both got to beat up on the absolutely garbage Rockies and Diamondbacks all year right. and really fatten up their stats. So I think we, we should keep that in mind. But in principle, I think the, the 16 teams in the playoffs last year was too much. Right. I think 10 is too little. Me, I think I'm more of a 12 team. Think that's kind of sort of the, the right. sweet yesterday, spot. Yeah, yeah so you two know, teams get a buy. Is that two teams get a buy. You know, the, uh, then league. two uh, two in each league, two three game series to decide uh, their opponents. You know, I think something like that creates some value and incentive and protects some of the importance of the regular season right. while also expanding the meaningfulness of September in more cities. Yeah, I like it. Uh, what do you think, Donovan? I like it the way it is. Listen, yeah. we're, we're, this is a sport where winning the pennant was a big deal mm-hmm. a while ago. And I, I think the playoffs just started earlier, quite frankly. You have an 162-game season. That is incredibly long. And so the fact that so many games at the end were so meaningful was because it's really difficult to get in. I, I think we're trying to change something that I don't think is broken. We just had an anomaly where in one division – a team won 100 games and three other 190, which is almost mathematically impossible. And so I don't think it's going to be a continued issue where we see really, really good teams like we saw this year playing in wildcard games or on the outside looking in. So I like it where it is. I think it's in the perfect spot. Should we maybe change the regular season and how often certain teams play each other? Maybe I'll look at that. But in terms of the playoff scenario, I love what we have right now. Yeah, I, I get that, and I, I hear that argument too. I think there's always the urge to correct the, the, the handful of seasons where a team has a really good an year. Anomaly, like yeah. 87, 1987 Jays win 96 games and they don't go to the playoffs. Those kinds of things, you like to see that kind of club make a playoff, uh, but I can totally respect that argument too. All right, we have less than a minute here. JD, JD Martinez left out the wild card roster after he tripped over second base running out to the field. Lift your hand if you've had an embarrassing injury. Oh, shy. Go ahead. Uh, stitches in the, in my head from a kitchen utensil. What? <laughs> <laughs> what uh, kitchen utensil? Uh, a spatula, metal spatula. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, a little bit of a concussion to go with it too. So, <laughs> so did someone hit you with it, or did you hit yourself no, with it? It was uh, in some uh, uh, rough housing that uh, went oh, okay. awry. So that's how that's how it worked in my house too. There was rough housing, <laughs> and my mom called it rough housing. And it went awry. Donovan, you didn't lift your hand at all. I got nothing. And we only have a minute. And you almost had a, an injury. Yeah, I almost, had, I almost pulled my microphone out. <laughs> Where's he going? No, I got, I got nothing. I want to hear more about Shai's story, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I, I went to get the bottle. unnamed sources for that story. I went to get the bottle to pour some out for June Lee, who didn't make it to the, <laughs> <laughs> this segment. Uh, we almost had to pour some out for you, too, yeah, to be able to finish out. I just, my microphone would have come out had I, uh, had I kept going. Uh, and I also had the knee thing. Yeah, Never mind. Right. Speaking of embarrassing injuries. I feel bad for J.D. <laughs> Martinez. And I feel bad that we couldn't keep June Lee. Thank you, Shy. Thank you, Donovan, for powering through. <laughs> yeah, June Lee is more important than Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Let's make that clear. Well, may, maybe not the Raiders, Hunter Renfro. That was a really good play where he came up from the receiving. Anyways, never mind. Uh, we are done. We're exactly one week away from the start of the NHL season. The roundtable disassembles, but we'll continue talking sports. Hockey with Renault Lavoie next, right here on Tim and Friends. Tim and Friends, now for Tim and Friends.
And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Renaud Lavoie coming up in mere moments from now to discuss the latest from the National Hockey League with the season just a week away. Plus, Michael Pinball Clemens, one of the greatest men on planet Earth, as the Argos get set to celebrate a 1991 Grey Cup winning team tomorrow night to kick off week number nine in the CFL 10. I'm trying to figure it out. And Kevin Millar ahead of the Yankees and Red Sox AL wildcard game, which you can see on Sportsnet starting with MLB Central at 7.30 Eastern time. Got a good since you understood. The Yankees will start Garrett Cole against Nathan Eovaldi for the Red Sox. Now, big lineup news. He's J.D. Martinez sideline after he sprained his ankle tripping on second base while running out to the outfield in Sunday's regular season finale. Obviously, we, we know what he means to us and the fact that he cannot play today um, is a tough one, but at the same time, um, they, they got some guys over there that they're banged up. They're not part of it, and uh, I think this is uh, the grind of 160 games. The Yankees, in, a, in case of a four-way tie, were in a position to pick whether they'd face you guys here or Toronto in Toronto. They would have chosen you guys. Uh, has that been a discussion point at all? We knew about it. We don't really talk about it because we had some business to take care of ourselves, but, uh, you know, they uh, they swept us the last series here, so they wanted us, but at the same time, you know, you can't blame them. They feel pretty good about the fact that they swept us here and they felt comfortable playing here, but, you know, they wanted us and they got us now, so win or go home, that's it. Plenty more of that game coming up, Kevin Millar, in just a little bit. Uh, from the or to the latest in the NHL training camps, uh, good news from Calgary, according to Daryl Sutter, Johnny Goudreau, fine after missing the third period of last night's game against Edmund. They call it precautionary reasons, and he looked good on uh, on his line with Kachuk as well. Some more news out of that game: Connor McDavid speaking up after being tripped by Chris Tanev during the game tying goal in the third period. Uh, nothing was called. Goal counted, even though he made obvious contact. McDavid called the play dangerous. Thankfully, he's okay. He's kind of sort of right, but who's at fault? Him or the defenseman? Hmm. Stalemate between the Senators and Brady Kachuk continues with just two preseason games remaining for Ottawa. Head coach DJ Smith said today that he must prepare to start the season without his star winger. Staying with the Sens, Colin White suffered a shoulder injury last night's game against the Leafs. MRI today expected to miss, quote, significant time, so not good news for the Sens and Colin White. After being claimed off waivers on Sunday, Samuel Montembeau will start his first game for the Habs when they face the Leafs tonight. He has 25 NHL games under his belt with a career 320 goals against average. Fresh off of signing their shiny new contracts, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson were on the ice with the Canucks today. However, neither will play against the Kraken tonight, a game you can see on Sportsnet 1. Not exactly a ringing endorsement when we say these two top players on the Vancouver Canucks will not be playing in that game. However, they're back in the lineup. Uh, Here to discuss that and more is uh, one of my favorites on hockey in this country, Tevez Renault Lavoie, who joins us now. Renault, thanks a lot for taking the time and doing this with us. 
Thank you, my friend. Everything good with you? Everything's good. I'm in Chicago right now, not to oh. celebrate uh, the uh, Bears win on uh, Sunday. <laughs> hey, uh, but I did a, <laughs> an interview today. <laughs> did an interview today with uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, that's going to be air next week, and uh, so uh, no, it was. Uh, it's always fun to to come here in this beautiful city. All right. So uh, the most important question of the day, obviously, yeah. is Matt Nagy competent. No. <laughs> no, we all know. You know what? That guy, that guy is unbelievable. And I and talking to people here in Chicago, uh, you know, they they hate his guts. They hate the way he, he he's coaching. And he, I'm, he, they're not alone. I yeah. think there's a lot of Bear fans right now that uh, just want him out. And as soon as it's gonna happen. I think there's a lot of people who are going to pump up the champagne again. <laughs> All right. There is the Bears fan and Renaud yeah. Lavois speaking yeah. out on his uh, on his beloved Bears. Although, looked okay. It was Detroit. But they looked okay. Right. Uh, let's talk about, uh, we, we showed a pretty yeah. good save from Flower yesterday. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's an interesting spot for him. There was some, you know, consternation about him and his family and whether or not he totally. wanted to go to Chicago. Uh, I'm interested in the – you don't have to give it all away, maybe a little bit no. of a tease for, for the conversation that you had with him. But I, I think it's a great question because when uh, we've talked about – not necessarily the trade because, you know, Mark andre he's a family man, loves his family, yeah. okay? And um, I, I told him, I said, am I wrong by saying that uh, the fact that you – you decided to take some time after the trade to to make sure that you know uh, you'll accept to go to uh, Chicago. I said I'm pretty sure it was not about you personally. It was more about how's your family going to react to that. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I'm not saying that he started to cry, but um, you know uh, the eyes went a little blurry uh, because that's that's the bottom line. Uh, he, he, he didn't want to move his family. Uh, again, um, to a, a city that it didn't really know. Uh, but Chicago, we all know, is an, an unbelievable city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he made sure that his, you know, his kids were okay with it. That was really important for him, that his wife uh, and his kids were uh, on board. And when he received a green light from the family, uh, he made his decision at the time. But if I'm telling you, if the family would have said, Daddy, there's no way we're not moving. We're not going. I wonder. I, I still wonder. Uh, speaking of uh, goaltenders in Chicago, Robin Leonard used to play uh, net in yeah. Chicago. Is is there any more fallout from the tweets over the weekend from Robin Leonard and, and how the PA and the league have reacted to it? Well, you know, I think, and I don't know if you had the chance to listen to what uh, Robin Leonard said today. I think. Uh, uh, it was a great press conference uh, in Vegas, and he said a lot of good things. He said that now he's going to uh, make sure that all the discussions are going to stay private with the league and the NHLPA. But but let's be honest here. Now it's 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 time for the NHL and, and the NHLPA to make sure that uh, health of the players will be protected. There's a lot of issues, as everybody knows, and are, are, are they taking care of all the issues? You know, Cocaine, cocaine is around uh, the NHL, and that's for me an issue. I am not comfortable hearing that uh, you know there is a, uh, some players who, when they're getting tested for steroids, they know what's inside their their blood or whatever it is, 
and that they find some trace of cocaine or any other drugs. I'm not comfortable with that. I think that the NHLPA should address that. Same thing with uh, with the league. Uh, How can we look at it and and say, well, who cares? I do care. If I I had a kid knowing that at 18, 19 years old, he's going to play in the NHL, I would have I would ask a lot of questions right now, and I don't think that everybody's got the answers. So I think that what Robin Leonard did was, in a way, inappropriate, especially when he he talked about Alain Vigneault. But if you look at the the big picture, it's about time that a player is saying something. Yeah, it's 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 funny because obviously, if a coach did what Robin Leonard did, a lot of people would be very upset. Like talking about a player, although we do see it every once in a while in a press conference. If a coach tweeted about a player, people would be upset. But there's also yeah. this idea that Robert Leonard has spoken the truth and sometimes a very uncomfortable truth for it the is. NHL. And like, let's be honest here. Like, we're not naive. We watch these players do unbelievable things uh, to their body and return to games. And, and, and we, we call them gladiators. And we, yeah, we I know. constantly ask, oh, well, what did Patrice Bergeron play with? Dear God, he played with a puncture. Like, it's unbelievable. We celebrate them. But there yeah. are ramifications to that. And we can't totally. be naive and just sit back and say, well, you know, they get paid a lot of money. Because and, that's and not ske- the answer. Scheduling is an issue, yeah. especially in a year again like this year. Uh, we have the Olympics, uh, so you know there's a lot of things that's gonna gonna happen. Uh, you know what the problem that I see right now, and obviously the season's gonna start in a week. There's a lot of noise right now in the NHL. There's a lot of things going on, and I, I it, for the first time in a long time, I, I'm looking at the big picture. I'm looking at what everything everybody's saying, and I'm like, what is he gonna be like in December? What is he gonna be like in February? Where We'll have an all-star game in the first weekend of February, and after that, all the best players are going to move to China. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and after that, everybody's gonna, everything's going to start over all, all over again, and everybody's going to fight for the playoff, and and the schedule's going to be tight. I mean, that'll be interesting. You know, it's funny the uh, the the players wanted this, right? Like every player that I talk to about I the know. Olympics, they're super excited about the Olympics, and they and I look at the schedule. I think the same thing yeah. as you, like. How the hell are they going to pull this off and, and not be completely exhausted by it all? I think, I think you know what, uh, everybody needs, and, and it's too late. Right now it's too late. And I did an interview with Bill Daly here in Chicago three weeks ago, yeah. and he mentioned to me that he was really surprised that the, the players, you know, when there was a, the CBA talks, um, they were really focusing on the Olympics, and that was a priority for them, which is okay. I understand it. Uh, but if you look at what, the issues it creates, uh, you have to wonder. And, and at one point, if you want to make sure that all the players are going to be protected the right way, you have to you have to think about that schedule, a tight schedule like we have again this year, like we had last year, and, and say, you know what, that's a lot of hockey, uh, and we're putting players and their bodies in jeopardy. And in a way, it's not only the league's fault. Yeah. It's not only the league's fault. The players are responsible for what's going on right now. So all of this leads to um, situations that you have around the game. And all this leads to the conversations that Robert Leonard was having. When you, when you condense yeah. the schedule, when you put it together, teams are flying all over, trying to get to practice at 7 a.m. after landing at, you know, 
or trying to get to practice at 9 a.m. when you land at yeah. like you know 5 a.m. All of these things can lead to what we're talking about in these substance abuse problems. And this is not a new problem within the league. Do you think nope. that we'll get real steps towards addressing the things that Robin Leonard brought up and the thing in cocaine that you just brought up? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm praying that it's going to happen yeah. uh, because we don't we don't want to deal uh, with uh, a, a bigger issue, a player that's uh, you know collapsing on the ice or whatever can happen. Right. Uh, or a, a you know we, I think I think hockey is such a great game. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you mentioned how the players uh, were, were talking uh, about what they're doing to their bodies and and rightly so we praise them. Um, because it's impressive. This is the best game, uh, you know, that we have here in Canada. And, and I can easily say that watching a hockey game, if you're not a fan, go go see a game, and you're gonna f- really enjoy being at the game, and you're gonna embrace what the players are doing, and and you're gonna be happy to see the skill levels that it's way better than when we were you and I younger. 20 years ago or 25 years ago so i'm praying that they're going to take care of it am i do i think that we're going to see major changes i'm not naive enough i i i think that if nobody is saying uh it was going out if it's don fear gary bettman whoever is saying we're going to address it it's the end of the story here and we need to as a league to make sure that uh, you know we're going to protect the players the best way, uh, I didn't hear that today or yesterday, and so I wonder what's what's coming. Hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll when I'll see it, I'll believe it. Uh, Renault, always great talking hockey with you. Thanks for taking the time and doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. You too. There is uh, Renault Lavoie in Chicago, and we moved on a little quickly because uh, Robert Leonard was speaking a short time ago, and we weren't sure if we'd be able to get the clips available to you by the end of this conversation, but the great staff working on this show was able to do so. So here's Robin Leonard from a short time ago giving an update on where he is with the PA in the league. It's not easy to do this, but... Um... I had a great talk with the NHL and the NHLPA over the last day. I'm excited for the potential change that can be made to protect the younger generation. This is something I've been advocating for for years, and I'm encouraged about the approach they want to take. My message is very clear. I'm not looking to hurt anyone. That's why I'm offering my, you know, don't want to do public anymore. I want to, I don't want to hurt anything. I just want to be a part of the conversation and share my stories of what's the right and wrongs and uh, the, the different things that have been through my career and the things that I've seen around and you know people are hurting people are hurting after their careers and you know I don't want to see that when there are things that we can implement to not have that happen it's, um, I feel like we could be on the verge of a reckoning here and, and it wouldn't stop at the NHL um, I feel like Robin Leonard is doing something really brave here and it'll be interesting to see how many other players recognize it. I know because I've talked to former players repeatedly that there are a lot who are frustrated by it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not there's answers that are easy to get to and whether or not you will press to those answers that are hard. Doesn't really seem, hard. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there are 
any easy answers, but you can tell just based on uh, his body language and his tweets, obviously, that he's trying to pioneer or orchestrate real change. change. Like yeah. real change. And that takes a ton of bravery and courage but can you imagine to, to if, do that. And I agree with you. But can you imagine if 10, 15, 20, 50 current players mm. all got together and said, like, this is a significant problem and we need to address it, all the leagues would be in a tough spot. That's a very good point because um, Robin Leonard can try and do as much as, as he can, but if he has support from his fellow players, like that is what's going to take this thing, I think, to the next level. And that's asking tough questions of yourself, which are oftentimes even harder to do yeah. than to question others. Right? Yes, yes. All right, we have to take a break. After it, the Argos celebrate their 30th anniversary of a 1991 Grey Cup victory that seemed like maybe the CFL at its height. We will reflect on that. Look forward to week 10 in the CFL with Mr. Argo himself. Michael Pinball Clemens next right here on Tim and Friends. Still to come on this edition of Tim and Friends, Kevin Millar. He knows the rivalry well. We will have the rivalry on our network as Wild Card Week starts with the Yankees and the Red Sox from, from Fenway. Easy for me to say. My next guest has helped us out more than I could ever imagine. From the early Tim and Sids to giving us pep talks during the pandemic and way too many points in between. And well, I'd like to think that we are special that is just the kind of dude he is. Ladies and gentlemen, CFL legend, Argos GM, the extremely classy and elegant Michael Pinball Clemens. We're back on Tim and Friends. How are you? <laughs> Big old gorilla hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Virtual hug. How you doing, man? How's everything going? You, you know what? Um, doing better than I deserve, right? Uh, just just thankful. You know, we, we're having a season this year. You know, the first time, um, uh, you know, since, since I, you know, I was saying the first time, but the first time was actually 101 years ago. We had gone 101 seasons without missing a season and, uh, since 1919 to 2020, and, and uh, we're back and playing again. And so I've got no qualms uh, uh, and uh, very appreciative of all those who are on the front lines and doing all the work uh, to help us get to this point. So big uh, virtual high five to, to all of those people who have worked so diligently and, and many times put themselves in harm's way uh, so that all of us can live a little bit more normally. I don't need to say anything that speaks <laughs> yes. for me. Uh, week 10 is oh. upon us and it starts, of course, with the Red Blacks into face the East leading Toronto Argonauts and Michael I hear that you're involved in more ways than one, not just as a GM, but there is a celebration, of course, for the 30-year anniversary, I'm getting old, you can tell by my hairline, of the 1991 Grey Cup squad. Now, I know usually you're pretty excited, but what are you more excited about, the game or seeing some of your old friends? Wow, you know, I... I this this guy rocket it just amazing and and just great people uh we many of us have stayed in touch uh and uh we've got a um a, a line that we all plug into and i said a line of course it's it's uh, uh one of the platforms that we all communicate on and, and so it really has been tremendous and uh to see uh, Rocky Ismail uh deliver like this this young man uh who is going to be uh 
potentially the number one draft choice in the NFL chooses to come to the Canadian Football League. And uh, it, it was it was just a phenomenal time. And these guys, though, just uh, just an amazing group of guys. I, I had so many guys were like who were like big brothers to me. We, we got five guys who are in education uh, today. We've got uh, another five guys uh, who have been very successful entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, another five guys who are still in sport and, and uh, uh, we got a couple of pastors even from that team so it was such they 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 they, they could play the game there's no question about it but but the heart of this team uh, was was just so special they were just really good people and I, I like to say though it started with the goat the boat and the float Right, because we had uh, the goat yeah. was yeah. I mean, you know who the goat is. There's no question about that. That's Wayne, the great Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. He was the goat. Then <laughs> the we owner. got the boat. Yeah, yeah. Boat. So because now now John Candy yeah wanted to be an Argonaut when he grew up. That's what he wanted to be. He wanted to be an offensive lineman. That was his dream. And he treated those guys with such respect. He gave them so many time, uh, so much time. And he sat with the the the, uh, the offensive lineman and told him, hey, this is this was his dream job. This is what he wanted to do. And so so the boatman was already a part of him and and the gold and the boat were there but we needed the float we needed somebody to to put a little cash in and, and make this thing work and that was Bruce McDonald. So, so the goat the boat and the float and, uh, I, I didn't know where you're going with the float that is so amazing yeah so but but we had this this you know this young man uh from Notre Dame who was the best player in the country and um and with that, um, to ask him to deliver the uh, in that fashion and for him to come through in the way he did. The very first time I believe he touched the ball was a long punt return of over 50 yards in the home opener. And one of the last times that year he touched the ball was returning the kickoff for a touchdown that's, that cemented the Grey Cup championship. Don't play like that number 3-1 wasn't electric either, though. We, we, just, we saw the highlights of the young Michael Pinball Clemens just making people miss. And then every once in a while, too, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a quick little stiff arm to the face, too, to get into yeah. the end zone. Mazzotti getting downfield to throw a block for you. Like, there, is, there was some electricity in that 3-1, in that too. Yeah, yeah. There's no question, and, and uh, Paul Mazzotti was that guy too. Don't he, deflect. Uh, Don't take the Mazzotti and go with that. I know what you're doing. You're you, being nice to everybody else. I was trying no, to say you, no. you right there. You were good. Well, you know, you know, I, I had the really great year the year before, and I was ahead of pace the following year. Uh, but I actually missed like seven games. I, I got a. Um, my knee got pulled the wrong way, and and uh, so I missed several games that year. Uh, so did Matt Dunnigan, though, and, yes. and Ricky Fogg was a b real big part of this team and its success, and and so entertaining. Not not only uh, was he uh, a brilliant player, but he was also so entertaining, so fun to watch the way he did it. Uh, the defense, though. Um, we always talk about the offense. The defense really was the backbone of this team. Uh, they had so much energy on that side of the ball. Mike and, Campbell and, and uh, company, Daryl Ford. I remember that team. That's it. Yeah. That is it. Uh, all right. Yeah. So. 
I know. Good, good. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to let you ask questions. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I know the first 2,000 fans get to celebrate that too with a replica 91 sweater. If you head down to the game. Um, but I also want to ask, like, it sounds like fun, but it's a pretty damn big game, too, with the Ticats at your heels in the East. Mm. Well, uh, not only that, um, we, we have to consider at this point that everybody is on our heels in the East, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we, we don't, you know, we, we've got four teams in the Eastern Division, and and, uh, and and so all of them, you know, have a chance at this point to, every, everybody's mathematically in, and so this game is, is important for us to win, to separate ourselves, um, first of all, from the Red Blacks, and uh, uh, who are a recharged team after, you know, having... Um, uh, a new rookie quarterback come in a week ago and surprise everybody. Great movement. What was really special, though, is how accurate this quarterback was. And and uh, so um, I I don't I try not to talk too much about their names when we're playing against them. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 he, he did a tremendous job. Yeah. And they have a punt return. It happens to, to have to hail from the same university as I did, the College of William and Mary yeah, yeah. in Virginia. Uh, not a lot of us professionals from the College of William and Mary. Uh, Lou Holtz coached there, and, and uh, he, he had a reflection that I, I, I probably won't repeat here uh, because <laughs> it's not correct. But uh, uh, in, in saying that, he, he has been the most electrifying player in our league this year, I believe, and, and certainly as a returner. Uh, and, and so uh, with that, we have to really um, we, we're playing we're not playing to um, uh, try to distance ourselves uh, from uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We're playing against the Ottawa Red Blacks, and 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 uh, we need to respect that. This is a good football team uh, that you knew was going to come together over time because of their leadership in Paul Lapolice. And uh, uh, so, so we're 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 really excited about this game tomorrow, and it's an opportunity for us to begin to take another step. And so, uh, we're, we're learning um, how to win and and uh, uh, and win consistently. But we have not had back-to-back wins this year. This would be our first back-to-back win, and so uh, we're we're looking forward to trying to put two in a row. Uh, I'd love to have you back on and talk about, because we're running out of time, as we often do with Michael Pinball Clemens, talk about the health of the league and where the league is going. But I got to ask you about Chris Jones, because when he was brought in, there were a lot of opinions on Chris Jones. How's he fitting in? Uh, you know what? He he is he is a pro. There, there nobody argues about that part. That he loves the game, knows the game. Uh, he's uh, just uh, the analytics drive his decisions, and and, and so uh, it's it's fun to see. Uh, him be engaged and so engaged and and uh, and working with his guys. He, he is he's you know when when uh, when you play on Chris Jones' defense, right? Uh, you love him and you love what he does, and and uh, the guys are really gravitating to him. And and uh, we're, we're we're looking forward to them playing their best game yet. Uh, I say this to you on and off the air. Appreciate you. Thank you very much for stopping by and doing this with us. Big old virtual hugs, baby. Always. The goat, the boat, and the float. (laughs) Can't forget about the float, my friend. Nothing happens without the float. Thank you, Penn. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, be well. There is Michael Pinball Clemens. All right, up next, all eyes on. He's just, he's such a jerk. Being sarcastic. 
We might have to go boat and float the soundboard. <laughs> yes, that we might, might have to go on there. And figure out who's who. All eyes on Fenway, Yankees, Red Sox, a guy who knows the rivalry well, Kevin Millar, next, right here on Tim and Friends. This is always a rivalry game. I think it's the best rivalry in baseball. This is great baseball theater. Over the last 51 years, it's been an unbelievably close rivalry. Deep to left, it's home run! Three-run home run for Bucky Dent. One of the greatest rivalries in all the sports. They don't like each other. That ball's not even close. Oh my goodness. Nothing sneaks by the fan bases. Ortiz in the deep right field. Back is Sheffield. We'll see you later tonight. Nothing's going to be easy between these two. Oh, what a play! And the Yankees walk off into the postseason. It's gone! Home run! The Red Sox have won the top wild card position. The Red Sox are right where they want to be. Hosting the wild card against the Yankees Tuesday night. Might be a hate watch for Jays fans today, but it should be a special night at Fenway Park. Yankees, Red Sox playing for the right to move on to the ALDS and a series with the Rays. Anthony Rizzo batting leadoff for the Yankees tonight. Here's his manager, Aaron Boone, on that decision. Obviously, with DJ going down, you know, lost our leadoff hitter, um, and, and considered going with Glaber again today because I feel like he's looked good up there. But really, just valuing Glaber in the middle of the order um, with our guys, you know, and, and wanting Riz and 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 Judgy and Stanton up there as much as possible. I love it. I love it. I never done in the postseason, but I'm excited. I'll be ready to go and um, set the tone. Get the first opportunity in the 2021 playoffs to do something special. Speaking of something special, it's always something special when this dude joins the fray, but especially when it comes to a rivalry like the Red Sox and the Yankees because he knows it as well as anyone on planet Earth. Joining us once again is Kevin Millar. Dude, thank you so much for coming on today. And I got to ask you, like when you hear the idea of a winner-take-all Yankees-Red Sox at Fenway Park, are you tired of it? Do you get goosebumps like what goes through you you never get tired of it yeah. you never get tired of it and this is honest to god because this is the way you want the game to be played right the, the, the win and the loss is all that matters not the scoreboard not the stats not the era not the home runs the average that ruins the game of baseball it's part of it because as fans we we, we watch it and you know tells you how you're doing and all that stuff but the win and the loss at this level is what matters and tonight you win, you advance to play the Rays. You lose, you go home and barbecue with the rest of the dudes that are at home barbecue and watching this game. It's an amazing stage. You have a chance to set the tone, like Anthony Rizzle said, as the first at bat in the postseason. I loved his look. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting leadoff scene, and we've seen this kind of metastasized lately in this new numbers thing. And doesn't, you don't have to have that Johnny Damon stolen base guy or Brett Gardner five years ago be leading off for the Yankees right now you're watching as my phone starts slipping you watching you got it and Anthony Rizzo in the house in the leadoff spot 
So let me ask you, I mean, J.D. Martinez goes down in one of the more embarrassing ways to go down, and he's out of the lineup. D.J. LeMayhew also out of the lineup. Do either team get some sort of advantage, or is that a soft? Yeah, it's a strange thing because I I think they're both dealing with injuries from two great players in their lineup. I mean, J.D. Martinez, he's taking this position, trips over the second base thing, springs his ankle. I didn't think it was going to be that bad at first. Obviously, it's that bad. And then, obviously, LeMayhew, who's a batting title champion in both leagues. This is a situation where the depth of these teams, it's an opportunity to somebody to step up and carry that load. So, great teams, flip a coin, grab your popcorn. It's going to be a show. You're going to see blazing fastballs early. This game will be won late in the bullpen. Who's it going to be? We'll see. But I'm telling you right now, it'll be a, it'll be one of those games. I know what you said early on. It, it, Jays fans, it might be the hate match. And I understand that, too, because it broke my heart that the Blue Jays did not get in the postseason. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. For everything they, they, they've had to deal with and everything from the spring training facility as home in Buffalo and a few fans here and there and finally opened the doors, that team was built to make a deep run in the postseason. They're not. But they're going to watch two teams in their division, and they know well also. It'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, don't open the wounds. We had the memorial service know, yesterday, man. Kevin. We had the memorial service yesterday. So let don't me ask you a question. You. You, uh, you, uh, you brought up the numbers, and this is really interesting to me because at the start of the show, Jesse and I were talking about Garrett Cole's numbers in the second half of the season weren't as good as they were at the first half. He looked like he was the favorite to win the Cy Young. I would say that probably Robbie Ray overtook him and will win that award. I looked at his numbers at Fenway, 1-2, and two, 6.19 ERA. Like, So would you say those aren't a predictor of what you're about to see? Do you throw those numbers out? Like, How do you take into account what he did in the second half, what he's done against uh, the Red Sox at Fenway, and him just having been in this spot before? Yeah, his thing is not velocity. I mean, he's averaging 97 mile an hour fastball still. So his location's been a little off. And when he locates with that velocity, that's when he's great. But this is the big leagues. Like that pitch right there, you're looking at middle, middle. He'll get stung if he goes middle, middle to a great team like the Red Sox and a good offensive club. So we get so caught up in how hard you're throwing. And Tim, you know, we watched Greg Maddox pitch in this, in this game, throwing 87 to 88, 89 miles an hour. And he won 350 games. This is one of those things. You better command your, your fastball, which a down-and-away fastball is the number one pitch in baseball, and then your secondary pitches. Garrett Cole needs to be great tonight. If he's not great tonight, he won't win. Nathan Evaldi needs to be great tonight. If he's not great, they won't win. The bullpens, I think, are going to have to get 8 to 12 tough outs. People are asking, how, how long are they going to go? Think about it. You're going to have 94 pitches, 95 pitches, 96 pitches, and all of a sudden if it's five and a third, the managers start thinking, are we bringing somebody out of the bullpen, a starter out of the bullpen? If you're the Red Sox, our bullpen's a, a tick average, if not a tick below. And then you look at the Yankees, that probably have the advantage in the bullpen. Yeah. But there's going to be eight outs needed to get somewhere from that bullpen. Kevin Millard joining us here on Tim and Friends. And for the kids who don't know, uh, he was there in 2003 when the Yankees won in seven games. Aaron Boone, 11th inning walk-off. Sorry to open that wound. Uh, no. There was there was some uh, some things going on in that series. And then, of course, in 2004, you got your revenge coming from 3 nothing down famously to beat the Yankees. I... I I love talking to you because you're a sports fan, and anyone who looks behind you can tell that you're a sports fan. Where does this rivalry rank among the best in North American sports? 
Yeah, being a part of it, and especially 03, 04, 05, it was the greatest rivalry I've been a part of. And like you said, I love sports. I mean, you can go back to the Dodger Giants days back in the day, but we it seemed like we fought every series. There was something going on. Manny and Roger Clemens, A-Rod and Veritech, you had Sheffield and the fans. You always had stuff. We were opposite of them. We were, you know, unshaven, bad bodies. The Yankees were this tall, rich, handsome guys, clean shaven, everything, you know, with 27 rings. And I'm like, this is not a rivalry. So I think you gravitated to our team if you weren't a Yankees fan because the Yankees have been great for so long, right? You had Jeter and A-Rod and all these guys, other Bernie and Posada. But then you had these these guys right there, these bad body kind of, you'd, you'd meet and have a beer at a bar, and that was us. So it, it, it was a very, very tough rivalry. I think the Yankees respected us, and we respected them. But, but across those lines, we didn't like each other, and that's what made it great. We have a little tickle bunny these days. Everybody's friends, free agencies. You play with each other next. So the – the, the passion sometimes is lost, but this rivalry city to city, I don't think there's a better one out there. No, oh, the, the rivalry is so good. So let me ask you, uh, when when you coined the term cowboy up, was that what you were thinking? That that this was the, you know, the big bad Yankees all good looking and we were just a bunch of cowboys trying to get it done? Yeah, shaved yeah. heads. We didn't look good. Timmy, you look great. You look great <laughs> with no hair, okay? Yeah. We did not look great, okay? This happened in 03 when we had to shave our heads. We were down two games and none in a five-game series to Oakland. Right. And that's when we shaved our heads. But it was just – it's what made it great. It's like the 93 Phillies with Mickey Moore and Deanie and Lenny Dykstra. You know, same type thing. I right. grew up a Dodger fan. When they got knocked out, you're kind of rooting for these. Like, who are these guys? I kind of like them. Not that a, was kind of our feel, yeah, you not, know? I mean, there's a ton of Yankee fans, but – at some point, they'd look back and go, you know what? Those socks, they're tough. They're not as good. But if you named them, and I told you this before, Billy Miller at third, Orlando Cabrera, Mark Bellhorn, and Kevin Millar. That was our infield. And then you looked over there, and you had Jeter and A-Rod and Jambi and, you know, Robinson Cano. I mean, think about it. It doesn't even make sense on paper, but it worked out. Uh, the, the folks in Toronto weren't cheering for those 93 Phillies, but I understand what you're talking about. Now, let me ask you one more That's question right. before I let you go. And that is, so in game four, the, the famous Dave Roberts steal. I mentioned earlier that the man who was lifted for the pinch runner was you. Ah, yeah. Did, did, yeah. did you look at, you know, like, Skip, what are you doing here? Like, was there any question? No. No, okay. No. Get my – I have seven <laughs> stolen bases in 12 years. Get my slow you-know-what out of there. And I'm telling you right now, Dave Roberts – by the way, that throw by Posada was unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. He picked over, picked over, boom. Off he went. But watch this throw. You can see Ugh. just under the tag of Jeter. So, everything went right. And we, we never talk about Bill Miller getting the base hit to tie the game. Yeah. It's Big Poppy's home run to win the game. But don't ever sleep on Billy Miller. Billy Ballgame was his nickname who won the batting title in 2003 in the American League. Crazy. Very underrated, hit ninth. Uh, all right, give us an idea of what you think is going to happen tonight quickly. I think the Yankees win the game. I just think that Garrett Cole shows up. I think the bullpen of the Red Sox has to find a way to get out, and I think they struggle late in the game with those big fellows, Judge and Stanton. Uh, love talking ball with you. Thanks for doing this. You're the best, Timmy. Thank you. Be well. There is Kevin Millar. Uh, from his home in the man cave talking about Yankees and Red Sox. Don't get much better for that than that. Uh, we'll take one last break. We'll do last call with Jesse Rubinoff. That was kind of special. I enjoyed that. I was right there watching. In fact, I was covering it for the score. 
All right, we'll do the last combat right here after the fence. This is Last Call here on Tim and Friends. We've been talking about the rivalry that is the Yankees and the Red Sox. We just decided to put it out on Twitter. Jesse, uh, what's the best rivalry in sports? And it's kind of like a layup, right? Like just people flowing. It's just, you know you're going to get some good answers when you ask something like that. Greatest rivalry in sports, that's what we asked. Uh, Emily says, Maple Leafs in round one of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. snap, right off. Good. good start. Good start. Panit uh, says, Bishop Sycamore against football. <laughs> that's very good. Uh, Adam, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Uh, Siobhan, Canada and Rugned Odor. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Greek Mamba says, Sid's eyebrows and the... Esthetician. Yes. Esthetician. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, my eyebrows aren't that great. Uh, Matt either. says me against a three-foot three foot putt. Yeah, very good. You and everybody else, Matt. Yeah. Uh, Noreen, Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago. I, I didn't know that that was the middle name of Ivan Drago. Neither did I. I think Noreen might have just made that up. I'll have to double check. Yeah. Uh, Andrew <laughs> says District 5 showdown Hawks and Mighty Ducks, especially understood. after Banks moved to Mighty Ducks, which is a very, very important point for context's sake. Never understood how uh, in later Ducks movies, Iceland became the great hockey power just because it was in Iceland? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Wolf the Dentist Stanson, I guess, just bred the whole country into becoming a hockey power. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, one guy. Why did they just use Canada? I have no idea. Disney got creative. Uh, Leaf says Leafs versus my mental health. Yeah, if you are a Leafs fan, that that makes a ton yeah. of sense. <laughs> Fifty one people like that one. So. Ton of sense. Yeah. All right, nice. I love that people took the rivalry and just went a complete different way with it. That's yeah. what I'm often looking. I mean, there for. were some classic answers too. Obviously, no, Indi- India are, and Pakistan, but yeah. those were I, I thought those were funny and, and enjoyable. Michigan people Notre had some Dame. Fun with it. Michigan Notre Dame is a good one I saw there. Uh, Leafs halves, which Donovan yeah. mentioned all the time. There were a bunch of them. Real Barca. That used know. to be good. Yes. Um, so there, there's a time. Obviously, we could spend all day on that, but I thought right. there were some funny ones there. Okay. So getting to last call now, Major League Baseball umpire Joe West, who did feature in the first block, and we had those tweets about him, announced he will retire after the postseason. The 68-year-old broke the record for most games umpired in May, but he's often been a lightning rod for controversy. Tim. How will you remember Joe West's career? This is what I love about umpires in Major League Baseball. That a guy most fans think absolutely sucked at his job will get a playoff game in his 68th year on planet Earth just to screw up one more. Either that or his country career. Did you know Country Joe West earned that nickname? Because he's a wee bit of a, a crooner. Oh, is he talented? Will. He's talented, is he? I, I didn't say he was talented. Oh, you said he's a crooner, right? I okay. said he's a crooner. Big this is Blue Cowboy. Joe West. I like it, honestly. Oh, my goodness. What era is this from? Is this like... The time away hey, from I'm listening you to the song. It seems like 1940s country. Look at the picture. He's like, looks like he's 30 in the picture. I actually, I actually like it. Like this is something I can, you know, have some chicken too, some beer. <laughs> 1987 is where I'm hearing. There's no way that's 1987. It's just not. No, it's like no. 
He's 68. There was a picture of him looking like he was that 30. Was like, what are you doing? That was, <laughs> that was the 40s. Okay, in the least surprising golf news of the year, it was announced today that Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka will go head-to-head in the next edition of the match, November 26th in Las Vegas. Do I even have to get to your reaction on this, or do you want to just move on? No, our meme was my reaction to this. Right. Our, our meme was my reaction to Bryson DeChambeau. And it's <laughs> exactly it. The match and sports fans, just roll your eyes. Everybody knew this was going to happen. We discussed this numerous times. Do you think that? Do you think that it was fabricated, knowing full well there'd be a payoff down the road? No, I actually don't think they like each other that much, right. but I, I don't think it's like, I don't think it really matters. Like, they hugged after the Ryder Cup, so does anybody care anymore? Like, they hugged. That's it. It's over. The beef is squashed. Did anyone ever care? But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's that interesting having seen their react their relationship at the Ryder Cup anymore. I'm done. And I'm a golf fan. Yeah. And I'm a golf fan. I am I am the demographic that should be tuning into that. I'm not sure I care anymore. You're a hardcore golf fan. Yes, hardcore golf fan. Love golf. I'm a golf fan. Bring back Tiger. You're a golf fan. You're not a fan of golf beef. No, I'm not a fan of golf Not at all. Uh, Okay, the Kansas City Chiefs are adding receiver Josh Gordon to their 53-man roster. And according to reports, he could play Sunday against the Bills. The 30-year-old's career has been derailed by drug issues. He was just reinstated from his sixth suspension. Can he still be effective, Tim? I feel like I've, I've answered this question six times before. And every time that someone writes him off, he comes back and shows these flashes of brilliance. Flash Gordon shows these flashes of brilliance. And people are like, wow. And then all of a sudden it ends again. I think he has the talent. I think he could be a difference maker in a very tough division. Mm -hmm. I just have no faith that it will last. I feel like if you're you're a fantasy owner that has some room to stash him for a couple weeks and see what he can do, why not? Like, they don't have that next receiver in Kansas City, right? Nicole Hardman hasn't worked out. Marcus Robinson hasn't worked out. So there is, like, there is a spot for him, potentially. I thought you said he was going to Seattle. No, he's going to Kansas City. Kansas City, yeah. Right. Against Seattle, yeah. Right. Um... Yeah, I guess McCole Hardman hasn't worked out all that well. Yeah, for a second there, I was lost, and I was thinking that he was going to Seattle. No, no, no. no, no. He, he, was in, he was in Seattle before. They're playing, yeah, yeah, no, no, they're yeah, playing yeah. the Bills on Sunday night. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you. Playing the uh, Bills on Sunday night, that's going to be a good I, one. He, yeah, he shows flashes. That I don't know if you can start him. No. I really don't know that you can start him. Not this week. Uh, okay, we talked about the Monday Nighter earlier, and yesterday was the first Monday night of the season without ESPN's Manning cast. Eli tweeted, is it weird that Peyton and I are just talking on the phone watching the game tonight? I assume he's still sweating a lot. Do you miss the Mannings? No, this this is this is what you... I don't even know if 10 is too many for the year. Um, don't do it too much. They're coming back week 7. Don't... I, they're doing 10 this year, I yes. heard. Yes. Don't do it too much. We'll get tired of it. But right now, it's perfect. Give yeah. us a little taste every once in a while. That's like, what I want. You got to do it for the big ones, right? Like, you don't need it for every single Monday night game. Some of them aren't this as what, good as this others. This is what TV and media does these days. They just take a good thing and they absolutely ruin it. Let it marinate. Yankees, Red Sox, Fenway Park. It's one of three things you can see today on the network.